In the name of Allah, the gracious, the merciful. Assalamu alaikum. This is The Conviction Project, a podcast where we leave you with no doubts about Islam. My name is Marij Rana. And I am Farhan Iqbal. Muhammadur Rasulullah, 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 Muhammadur Rasulullah. Ya Rabbi salli ala nabiyyika daiman Lihaadhi dunya wa basin saani So we're continuing our conversation, um, trying to talk to uh, many other people who have had interesting and unique experiences to get their perspective. And in our ongoing search, we've actually had uh, a gentleman by the name of Mahmoud Sheikh uh, reach out to us and, you know, wanted to talk to us about various things related to culture and religion. Um, and, you know, also we thought it would be a great opportunity for him to talk about um, a book that he's written, which is uh, an international bestseller. Uh, the book is called Dreams Unleashed. Um, but before we get to that, you know, Mahmoud Saab, assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam. Uh, so my understanding is that you are the Naib Sadr of Barry Jamaat. That's correct. And you are a co-author of an international bestseller, Dreams Unleashed. That is correct. And the chapter that you have, um, I'll let you talk about it a bit more. Yeah. Sure. Um, the chapter is called Your Greatness Within. And it really talks about who we are and what we have within us. And I'm really, uh, I guess, guiding towards the, guiding towards the, potential of our own um, self-awareness and what is possible within us. Mm -hmm. Actually, the opening chapter and the opening uh, phrase and statement that I start with is, in reality, you are so much more than you think you are. Mm -hmm. In your reality, you are no more than you think you are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Could you help our listeners understand what you mean by that? Because, sure. Yeah. Sure. On, on a grand scale of things, right. you are so much more than you can actually think you are. Mm -hmm. Whereas in your reality and how you experience life right. is limited by how you think you are. Yeah. Is, is this tied to, would I be right to say, you know, when we think about who we are, the grand relation of things, we're like a speck of dust in like the larger galaxy, in the larger solar system. So really there's no... We're, we're, we're quite insignificant compared to the rest of the universe. Absolutely. And our source and where we come from is from that divine intelligence and one and only. Right. And, so, and therefore, we're, we're much greater than... We are much greater. We're much greater. You right. know, we are so connected and intimately connected to that. Mm -hmm. Yet I feel that there is a disconnect in many cases. Right. And what are those cases where there is a disconnect? I think a lot of times uh, when it comes to our relationship with our creator, mm -hmm. um, I find that there is a disconnect with respect to, we are always looking outside of ourselves. Okay. I remember growing up as a child, and you may have the same mm -hmm. experience, is, uh, you know, I was told, you know, 
God is up there or God is somewhere in heaven looking down upon us. Uh, you don't want to, you know, do bad things. And mm-hmm. this is the kind of a normal narrative as a child. Right. right. And uh, always had this feeling that God is separate from me. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until in the later years of my life when I started to really ponder and think about, you know, why am I here? Mm-hmm. What, what does life mean? What right. am I supposed to be doing here? Mm-hmm. And to understand that relationship with God is so intimate and so personal. And I've come to realize that you cannot not be connected. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember, uh, again, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but I do recall Khalifa Rabe mentioning this idea about love. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said something to the, you know, in the sense of why put your love in something that is temporary mm-hmm. when you can put your love to that which is permanent. Permanent, right. And, and, and that's God. Yeah. And that relationship mm-hmm. is the only one true relationship anyone ever has. Mm-hmm. So I guess, I guess let me ask you this. Like, how do you, how do you know that there is a God? Like, how did you come to that understanding? That's an excellent question. Yeah. First of all, you have to understand what do you mean by God? Mm-hmm. You have to define what God is. And that's where the paradox is. How mm-hmm. do you conceptualize something that is beyond conception? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, that's you, you, you cannot conceptualize it. You, you can, but it's only in a limited it's, it's way. It's only in a limited way. Right, yeah. right. So in many cases, what has happened is you know, God has made man in his image, mm-hmm. whereas man has made God in his image. Right, so, right, yeah. So, we personify God correct, in a lot of ways. Correct, yeah. and many times we'll give God human characteristics. Yeah, he speaks, you know, and he listens. Right, yeah. mm-hmm. whereas, he sees. Yes, where, whereas I think you need to get to a point to understand that God is. Mm. And Whatever label you want to put on it, God, Allah, Krishna, divine source, intelligence, Mm -hmm. consciousness, whatever it is, it's not what you call it, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. There's a saying that once you label me, you negate me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it is not even the label. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of hard to get your head around. But what I understand as God is truly the infinite intelligence that surrounds everything and everyone doesn't matter where you look where you go you see reflections of Allah Mm -hmm. I remember uh, reading in a book uh, many many years ago when you look in the sky and you see birds flying south how do they know to fly south when they fly south This is a reflection you're, you're, of God. Well, some some could say, you know, years of evolutionary history and yeah. genetic makeup that lets them know that. And this is this is the intent which has been instilled in that by what I call right. God. So your understanding of God is that, you know, you, you see a perfect system and, and, and you see the way the, the world is connected and interconnected. And that lends you to believe that there has to be a creator 
or there has to be a greater intelligence that comes together for that. Is that right? Absolutely. Uh, how is it that the universe is the way it is and the galaxies are the way they are and the earth spins in the exact degree it's supposed to spin in order to sustain life? How is it that as you're sitting here right now, your heart will beat over 100,000 times today? Mm-hmm. You'll right. take over 20,000 breaths. Mm-hmm. Your organs are working in perfect harmony mm-hmm. without any effort on your part. Right. Yeah. How is that possible? So, I struggle with this sometimes because people can give you a very rational and thought out scientific answer as to why it is that way. You know, I'm glad you asked that because I remember there was a, um, there was a, a saying that technology and science has become so advanced. Mm-hmm that they can actually pinpoint, when you move your finger, Mm -hmm. they can actually pinpoint what muscles you're using, Mm -hmm. what nerve cells are are being uh, used, right up to the command center where the command is given. Right, absolutely. But they never find the commander. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. Right? Okay. So that commander is Mm non-physical. So we are limited by our apparatus, Mm as to what we can be open to mm-hmm. and what we can see. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 this, this brings up interesting ideas. And certainly there, there are other things that I, I do want to talk to you about as well. But what, what it's reminded me of this is, is this idea. Um, I think it's, it, Sam Harris has this idea, even though I, I don't agree with a lot of things he says, but there is this one thing that he has where he says, if I were to ask you a question, I said, you know, um, can you tell me, can you tell me a name of a city? What would you say? Toronto. Toronto. Right. So if we were to go back in time and I were to ask you the same question and nothing in the universe or in the world changed, everything was exactly the same. All the atoms were, atoms were lined up exactly the same way. And I were to ask you the same question in the same way that I just asked, what do you think you would say? As to what what city? What city, yeah. If nothing changed, it would still be Toronto. It would still be Toronto. Yeah. So that is an interesting idea because if we go back in time, we keep things exactly the same way, chances are every single time you will say Toronto, which makes you think, well, do you have, what extent do you, do you have free will to be able to pick your own city because every single time you will say Toronto. The reason why I bring this up right now is because it's reminding me of how, what you mentioned about the, um, the commander. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about the commander, you know, it lets me know that there is something that's been set out greater than me, beyond me. Correct. That comes to play. And a simple thought experiment like this reveals that, there actually is a commander then. There has to be someone who is guiding our world, our universe in this way that it, I would be able to say this answer. And if you were to take, take it back and bring it forward, that would be the same answer. And had I been something, you know, that was much greater, I would, I should be able to choose a different city. I should be able to say Michigan the second, or you should be able to say Michigan the second time. But that's not the case. 
So I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. I'd be happy to hear. Yeah, I think what you're really what you're really saying is that behind everything, there is that one constant, right? Yeah. And that one constant is our source. Is our source? Yeah. You know, there's a. Um, I often have people do this experiment, and uh, you've heard people say that you know I was thinking to myself. Mm-hmm. So, how many conversations is that? <laughs> yeah, that's an endless conversation that keeps so going. Are you the thinker, or are you the listener? So I, I was I was talking about this last time. I was thinking about this in our last conversation with uh, Mukabul Sheikh Said, and he. So, there are times because I tried this exercise afterwards. There are times where I am the thinker and I'm the listener. It seems to me that I need to do that to process certain things. You know, if something happens to me, I can actively turn on the voice in my head and process it out. I do appreciate and understand the idea that I'm I'm the listener. I get that. But I can also use this part of me to hear something and also be able to process it. You know, like, you know, I had this dispute with someone and afterwards I was like, I'm going to think about this and think about what happened. You know, think about this to myself, which is what I did because I started to think about, I started rationalizing and processing with myself, asking myself questions and it just went on and forth. And then I was able to come up with a resolution, come up with some sort of action. So there's that part of you, which is speaking, and there's this part of you that's listening, but there's also a third part of you. Okay, and what's that? There is that which is observing the conversation. Mm. And that's the real you. Can you get a sense of that, of the observing part? Well, the the, the observing part is, is a bit of a challenge because, well, you know, when you're talking, you're listening. I guess you're aware that you're talking and you're listening. And then there's a part of you which is observing that conversation. Mm-hmm. And that part of you that is observing the conversation is silent, non-judgmental, and a full observer. Mm-hmm. That is your true identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'm still thinking about this more and more. <laughs> <laughs> which which, which I, I guess is counterintuitive yeah, to, I mean, to it. Yeah. It's... it's, it's you know, you really have to think about these things. And the way you do that is by getting yourself out of the way. Right. You know, there's a saying that you are not a human being. You just happen to be observing one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm still not fully convinced on this <laughs> idea. So I, I'm still thinking about this a bit yeah. more. But, you know, you, you mentioned you mentioned your childhood. And I, I guess I just wanted sure. to, to ask you a bit more questions because your childhood... Um, was, was very similar to Mugbul Sheikh Saab's, you know, and he, you know, he, he was some of those born here, but, you know, you, you, you came here at a very young age. Right. Um, so, so t- tell our listeners a little bit more about that. Sure. So we talked about this. Sure, yeah. So we, um, we arrived in Canada in the early 60s. It was uh, 64, 65. I was about three years old when we came to Canada. And uh, grew up in Brantford, Ontario, which is about an hour west from Toronto. And moved around a little bit throughout uh, throughout Canada. And now I live in Barrie. And I distinctly remember growing up to really have a identity issue. 
you know, because in, in, at home we had one culture and then I go to school and there's a different culture and uh, I didn't really fit in, in one or the other. Mm-hmm. And it was always a challenge growing up to, you know, who am I? Mm-hmm. Where do I fit in? And that was, uh, it was difficult because I ended up, you know, not really fitting in in either one or the other. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's when I really started to question, you know, my identity. Mm-hmm. Who am I? Why am I here? And I think that's a challenge for many, many uh, young people who grow up in this country mm-hmm. that have a strong culture from another part of the world. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And to be able to fit in for one or the other, it's almost as, as if you have to choose. Mm-hmm. And I was fortunate enough to realize that I didn't have to choose one or the other. Okay. I could choose what's good in one culture and choose what's good in another culture mm-hmm. and have a unique experience. So I, I talked to several people about this identity issue because, you know, I'm also a byproduct of that. You know, I, I guess you could say I'm all, I'm almost 25 young, year, years younger than you are. <laughs> um, is it, it's almost as if putting yourself 25 years ago sure. where I, I do have that strong Pakistani influence. You know, I was, grew up in Peace Village. Um, so I, I have that strong attachment to my community mm-hmm. and in various organizations that I'm a part of. But at the same time, you know, there, there's a great part of me that's Canadian. Okay, cause as a product of going to school here, learning about Western society, that I can't separate myself from that. Um Many people talk about Westerners, and I can't help but think that I am also a Westerner. Right. Um, and I and I know this because I've been to Pakistan, and I felt the same thing that I feel here in Pakistan. Um, and I think a lot of uh, my friends that are also my age can appreciate this when they go back. And there is no way that you can fully be Pakistani because the moment you go to Pakistan, they're going to ask you within a second, where are you from? <laughs> and I, it's amazing that I could go to any part of the world and everybody will ask me, where am I from? Right. So that lets me know that I'm not from here. I'm not from there. So where am I from? Uh, and that is a question that I do think about often was, but uh, one thing that I do want to ask you is if you were to put yourself 25 years back when you were say my age um what were some of the questions that you were asking and how did you get those answers questions in regard to who am i who am i yeah yeah i think that's when i where my journey really started on trying to understand my relationship with not only just my creator but where do i fit in in society yeah and um, i found out very quickly that i was a loner Mm-hmm. And I was okay with that. Mm-hmm. And the reason I was okay with that is because I had such a strong conviction and connection with my creator that I knew that that was my ultimate um, relationship. Mm-hmm. And so I started to go on this journey and really starting to understand who am I and why why am I living this life that I'm living? What am I, what am I really learning from this experience so to this day uh, i i would say i'm kind of a byproduct of both cultures Mm -hmm. if i had to say i mean you know spending most of my life here i would say i'm more 
Canadian mm-hmm. than anything else. But what is Canadian? Yeah, and you, you know, I think as you're speaking, I'm thinking about the current political climate in, in, in our society is such that you need an identity. You cannot not have an identity. And I'm not sure if this was the same experience growing up. Perhaps it was because I I read some things that, you know, during the 70s and the 80s, every day was an identity crisis. And I think certain ideas are replicating because because we live in, especially in Canada, you know, we live in an identity heavy society. It's very important that you have some sort of affiliation to some sort of group. Because if you don't have that, then, you know, you don't have anything. You know, we talk about in our in our society, you know, there's something, it means something to be white. It means something to be brown. And I don't think it has meant something to be something, if that makes sense, as much as it does now. Because of, you know, different politics that are going on, identity politics in university especially is so strong that you need to have an identity in order to survive because people will ask you what your identity is because in saying what your identity is lets you know what your affiliation is what your loyalties are what type of person you will be and everybody recognizes the other person by their identity and i think a lot of our today's youth are getting caught into this as well where they need an identity and I, I don't know if having no identity or having an identity that I'm confused it can really help them. I don't know. You know, in uh, in one of my talks, I talk about, uh, I give a little bit of a background about, you know, who I am, where I'm from. We have many, many identities. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a father. I'm a, I'm a husband. Um, you know, uh, I have an identity at work. These are all identities that we attach ourselves to, that we think that that is who we are. Mm -hmm. These are not real identities. These are just our ways of playing out characters in life. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think when you're talking about we need to have an identity, identity, that's to find some sort of, um, how could I say this? It's try to find some sort of meaning Mm -hmm. in, in, in... why am I here? What am I, what am I meant to do or what meant to be? Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting idea because um, when we think about, you know, these, these identities do serve that purpose of meaning. So where, so today's youth, for example, you know, particularly, you know, Muslim youth, Ahmadi Muslim youth, Mm -hmm. what identity can they hold on to that you think will give them the most meaning? This is what I tell my children all the time is work on your identity and relationship with your creator. Number one, understand that there is a creator that is the source of everything. Build a relationship with that creator. That's a personal relationship that no one can take you to. You have to do that journey yourself. And be steadfast in knowing that that is your only one beloved in the world. Mm -hmm. That identity is your guidance. What would you name that identity? Again, as I mentioned, you know, the label is insignificant, but Mm -hmm. Allah, 
Mm-hmm. It's a, you can say Allah, you can say creator, you can say divine intelligence. Yeah, but but um, I guess my question is, who do you become when you, you know, when you're doing that? For me personally, who I have become is I become a co-creator of my life mm-hmm. with the guidance of the creator. Mm-hmm. Right. right. I mean, if we are from the creator, then we have the ability to create. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have right. been given the ability to create. Mm-hmm. And it is our responsibility to create our life as we want to experience it. Mm-hmm. I believe that I am here to experience life the way I am meant to experience it. It may be different from you or someone else, but I am I have a role to play in that. So you think you are here because you have your creator created you for a purpose and your purpose is to fulfill that purpose. But how do you know what that purpose is to begin with? That is something that you have to really think about for yourself. I mean, what what is it that resonates in your heart? Hmm. What is it that when you think about, you feel in every cell of your being? Mm-hmm. You know, for some people, it's being a teacher. Mm-hmm. Some people, it's being doctors. Yeah. You know, these are all roles that we feel that we need to do in order to feel that we're doing something of meaning. And, and, and you know, some people, it's a, it's a business person, mm-hmm. you know. So, I mean, for me, my, my meaning or my purpose is really to awaken people to this relationship with their creator and to understand that you have the potential to create the life that you want. How how did you realize that that was your purpose? I think I didn't realize it until uh, later on, but I've, I've kind of been, I've been kind of been doing that all my life. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I stood back and realized, you know, that's, that's kind of what I do. Mm-hmm. So I've kind of been doing that right from, you know, childhood where I've, you know, talked to people, mentored people, guided people on how to get through certain challenges and difficulties and understand the fallacy of all this drama that we get caught in when we're stuck in our ego. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to detach yourself from that fake self of yourself Mm -hmm. and to understand that this is nothing more than a conversation that I've created in my head. Mm -hmm. I I guess where I'm leaning at is, you know, how do you separate yourself from that ego? I feel like so many people have such a hard time separating those two and and they they don't know what to do because the ego just just comes in front and just plays a large role. Yeah, I've thought about that a lot and I don't think you can completely diminish your ego, but you can definitely silence it or put the volume down on the ego. Mm -hmm. You have to understand, you know, there's ego... You can say that EGO stands for edging God out. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. EGO right? is it's edging God Edging out. God out mm-hmm. is when you say that, you know, I will take care of things. Mm. Right? It's me, me, me. 
And uh, once you step away from that, see, the act of detachment mm-hmm. allows you to see things from a different perspective. And when you're in your ego, you can't have that detachment. Anytime you know that you are angry, frustrated, upset, you are in your ego. And how do you know when you're not in your ego? It's when you can step back and look at the situation from a non-judgmental view. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So, you, I mean, it's a great exercise that uh, I used to do with some people who are kind of stuck. And they'd be telling me their, their whole story of what happened and how someone said this and did this and did that and so on and so forth. And then I would ask them is, if you were to give yourself advice as a third party, what would you advise yourself? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and most people aren't able to come to that if they're They can't because they're so ingrained. Stuff. Right. Yeah. Right. They're so ingrained in it. Yeah. And once you're in it, you know you're in it mm-hmm. because it, it overtakes you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So we, we were talking um, earlier about, you know, h- how to resolve certain issues. And I think when it comes to personal issues, talking about ego, talking about relationship with God are very valuable things. And I think we'll, we'll just kind of end our conversation on these points. But really, what I'm trying to think about is, what about issues that go beyond that? You know, uh, growing up, you know, I, I've seen so many different tragedies, so many different uh, incidences where it's really shaked people's sense of self you know um dare i say the t word is traumatizing uh in a lot of ways for example people have economical challenges yes. they have family challenges some people are just unlucky you know they're just uh, unlucky in the sense of the place and environment that they were born into you know, may have family challenges may have challenges with their parents mm-hmm. I think we, when we speak about this, we come from a very privileged position in the amount of, you know, good things that went our way for us to come to this point. Mm -hmm. And there are many people who don't have that, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, sure. I, I have had a cultural impact in my childhood growing up, but that cannot be the same or compare to as someone who's had that play a larger extent, you know, somebody could have been forced married at a young age, and that's mm-hmm. a byproduct of cultural influence. Mm-hmm. There is no way that I would be able to compete with someone who's had that kind of tragedy. So I guess what would you say or what would you want to, or, or how, how would you absolve those issues which go beyond um, our personal. Yeah, that's that's a role. great great question. Any time that I find that I'm in a challenging situation, or I'm in a in a in a place where you know it's just it's disastrous, I've come to ask this question of myself: Is God, what are you teaching me here? Mm-hmm. This yeah. this is a teaching moment. Mm-hmm. You know, your greatest teachers are the ones who have the can push your emotional buttons. Mm-hmm. These are the greatest teachers. And I and that's a question I ask many times is God, what's the lesson in this for me? Mm-hmm. Again, I have to get out of my ego. Yeah. 
You have to get out of your ego. I have to ego. get my yeah. ego and, you know, not say, why me? Why is this happening to me? You know, what did I do to deserve this? Mm-hmm. The real question is, what is the lesson in this for me? Mm-hmm. And I love this. It was a great analogy of, you know, when you when you hurt yourself and you get this ugly scab on your on your skin, or let's say you cut yourself badly and it's an ugly scab, you want to keep picking away at the scab because it's so ugly. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of what trauma is like. It's an ugly, ugly situation. However, that scab plays a role. Mm-hmm. If you keep picking away at the scab, you can't heal inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that suffering is also part of the healing process. Right. Yeah, you know, this reminds me of this saying that you have to think about not things happening to you. You have to think about things happening for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think this is this is a, a great way to close in on, on our conversation today is that if we begin to think that things are happening for us rather than things are happening to us, then, you know, our perspective on a lot of these hardships changes. That's a, that's a huge distinction to make. Mm-hmm. See, because if you're if you're thinking things are happening against us, mm-hmm. you're coming from a place of resistance, right? And you will be stuck in ego. If you come from a place of things are happening for us, mm-hmm. then you come from a place of flow. You come right. from a place of, you know, uh, of of uh, continuity of, of harmony. Mm-hmm. There's a lesson in it. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all we're all on this journey mm-hmm. to learn. Definitely. You know, and, and I really thank you for, for reaching out and coming here. It was a pleasure talking to you. And I think that we'd be happy to bring you on again, talk to you about, you know, several other things. There were so many different directions, you know, we could have taken this, so many different things that we could talk about. But, you know, we're limited in our time and sure. our, I guess, mental energy as well. So, you know, if you do have any more doubts or if you have any ideas for any other speakers or any other people that you would want to listen to that we can reach out to, do reach out to us at theconvictionproject at gmail.com or you can visit our website at www.theconvictionproject.com for all of our previous episodes and also um, on our website there's an option to let us know uh, any comments or feedbacks that you have for us so this is the conviction project where we leave you with no doubts about islam Salli ala nabina Salli ala muhammadin Salli ala habibina Salli ala muhammadin